0: So, you know, we talked about 90% diversion from landfill, which then defines it to be zero waste. You know, it's not 100%. That's not realistic. There are still some components we just cannot control. So we wanted to pursue the certification because no professional sports team or venue, regardless if you're an arena, stadium, theater, amphitheater, no one had done it before. I think people... And organizations have done a great job doing some awesome things. But to have a third party come in and certify and say, yep, they did it. I was something we wanted to do because we're in sports, we're competitive, and we like being first. One, two,
1: three, four. Welcome to The Green Hour, a community of innovators, activists, and government leaders in the world of sustainability. Each week, you will hear from a leader in sustainability to help unlock your mind to a greener future. Hey guys, I'm Preston Pogue, and on the show today, you will hear from Sophie Emma Armanachian, who is the Head of Sustainability for the Atlanta Hawks and State Farm Arena. You will hear what it is like leading sustainability efforts for an arena as large and busy as State Farm Arena. You will learn how Sophie and her team engage with fans through their different in-game recycling segments. You will uncover how State Farm Arena diverted 2.5 million pounds of waste from landfills in 2022. And you will hear how State Farm Arena became the first sports and entertainment venue in the world to achieve true Platinum Zero Waste certification. I can vaguely remember being drugged to the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga's basketball arena at a young age to watch... One of my older sister's basketball camp. I was probably 10 years old at the time. And I became so bored that I started walking the entire arena to count the seats. I know what you're probably thinking. Has this kid never heard of the internet? Why didn't you just Google it? I mean, If we're talking about today's time, you would say, just ask Siri and she'll give you an answer. But that was a different time. Um, And as kids, you see and you do. There is no fear or second thought, and I remember compiling a final number and being amazed at the amount of people the stadium could hold. I bring this up because I remember asking my parents the question, how do you clean a place this big? Because we've all been to stadiums and seen the immense amounts of trash left under the seats. This question came back to me while I was attending an Atlanta Hawks game this past year. 13 years of gap in between these two instances, but the question remained the same. How do you clean a place this big? I walked around and thought, wow, where would you even start? The more time I spent there, the more blown away I became at the arena's sustainability measures. Not only were they cleaning the arena, but they were diverting millions of pounds of waste from landfill. Our guest on the Green Hour today is a trailblazer for sustainability in the sports and entertainment industry. Sophie Emma Armanakian is the head of sustainability for the Atlanta Hawks and State Farm Arena. She was the first in the NBA to hold a director-level sustainability title, and she led the arena to become the first arena in the world to achieve true Platinum Zero Waste certification. Under her leadership, State Farm Arena has become a case study for sustainability in large arenas around the world. In 2022 alone, the arena diverted 2.5 million pounds of waste from landfills, composted 734,000 pounds of food and organic material, Reused or donated 610,000 pounds of materials like food, electronics, clothing, crates, and pallets. And reduced annual waste by 160,000 pounds by eliminating paper tickets, individual condiment packets, and disposable serviceware. Innovation and sustainability go hand in hand, and none of this would be possible without the constant movement for innovation. State Farm Arena is a sustainability success story. But as you were here, so is Sophie's life, which embodies the American dream. Doing, doing some research on you, Sophie, I saw that you, you were born in Armenia and you spent your early childhood in Germany um, before you came to the U.S. Uh, in, in year 2000. So could you start by talking about you know, your early childhood and how you know, being born in Armenia and growing up in Germany kind of molded you into who you are today?
0: Yeah, I think it allows me to have a really open mind, looking at something in many ways um, and not be limited to just one perspective, which I think it's so essential um, in a space where you are doing things that directly correlates with working with others. Um, it's so important to be able to see things from various perspectives. And I think I, um, well, I know that growing up in so many different places has allowed me to be who I am. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity.
1: So you moved to to the U.S. and again, year 2000. And what I read is you didn't know English. You knew no English when you came over. So, you know, how does that work? I mean, are you are you jumping right in? I mean, how old were you when you when you came and were you jumping right into classes and, you know, just with all of the other English speakers? I mean, how did how did that work?
0: Yeah, it was scary. Um, I know. I remember being very intimidated, not knowing what others were saying. I took, actually, I take courses, uh, ESOL classes, English speaking. Other languages, I believe, is what the acronym stands for. To learn English Um, and being able to, you know, break the bridge with everyone else and understand what my classmates are saying, it was not. uh, It was not easy. Had to overcome that fear of the unknown, um, but eventually um, was able to do so. And so now, here we are. And every now and then, I can touch back on my German for anyone who speaks German. But you know. I think looking back now and the way you've just asked me this question, I think it just shows that we have to overcome scenarios where we're not prepared for. And that is so applicable when we think about sustainability and figuring out how to do things in a more sustainable way. Um, It's interesting how it all builds up together. But it was a it was a learning and important fundamental uh, part of who I am.
1: Yeah, I like to say that people that work in sustainability are the best problem solvers in the world because you have to constantly solve problems and figure out, you know, how how to allocate resources and you know do do all kinds of things. So, um that is that is pretty remarkable that you that you came over to the US and didn't know any English and then now look at you. I mean, um and, and what you've been able to accomplish. And you're also trilingual, right? So, so you're, you can speak English, uh, German, and Armenian. Um, I'm monolingual, and I, you know, grew up in the U.S. and <laughs> I can only speak one language. So, I'm definitely, definitely jealous of you on that as well.
0: It's never too late, Preston.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I took I took uh, Spanish courses all through high school, and I probably should have should have studied a little bit more, so I got more out of it. But uh, and I definitely could have used that today. But looking back, yeah, I really wish I I could have. Maybe I'll tap into the Rosetta Stone or something at some point, you know, because it it definitely helps.
0: The other thing you can do is just maybe listen to some music or watch some of your favorite shows uh, with the ad-libs in English or in Spanish to kind of help you subconsciously regain that because you you have it somewhere. Um, Try it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely, definitely will. So you know, going from that to, you know, your early childhood and then you come to the U.S. and then you go to college at Georgia State. So can you un- unravel that a little bit? So you come to Georgia State. Um, what did you study and how did that how did that experience and that education bring you to, you know, this career in sustainability and sports?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, when I attended Georgia State University, I really touched a little bit on all of the ideologies. I switched my major a couple of times, uh, ended up finishing with a focus in marketing and professional sales. Um, and then following college, I uh, spent many years working in the retail industry, on the buying recruiting side, so a lot of interactions with various stakeholders. And I think all of that you know really helps build onto one another. When you think about it, we have to market this idea of being more sustainable. We have to be able to really sell the idea, and it has to be relatable. And So when you think back about the courses that I learned in college, there's something that is applicable to everything when you really step back and look at it holistically. Um, With my focus in marketing, believe it or not, uh, for our capstone project, we focused on raising awareness around recycling at Georgia State University. And at this time, I was not very knowledgeable in the sustainability space, um, and, but I grew very passionate about it because I realized what an opportunity it was. But it did not directly lead me to have a career in sustainability. I think sustainability essentially picked me, um, and it just makes too much sense to ignore it because it's a part of everything that we do. We don't have to have sustainability in our titles to ensure that we're being more sustainable in all of our decision makings.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that because, you know, like I said, you know, in my last company, we're, we're trying to push um, sustainable measures and, you know, we, you know, we're, we're not, we have no sustainability in our titles. We don't have you know really any background in sustainability, but we're like, Hey, we can recycle. It was a manufacturing company is what it was. We can recycle all of this unused pallet wrap, all of this, you know, paper, all of this, all of these boxes, all this cardboard. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's, It's so much fun when when you when you take a step back and you can look at any product and say, okay, where's the waste going to and how can we eliminate that? So, yeah, that's that's super interesting that you say that. Um, So going from there, I'm looking into your career. You go from Georgia State and you, you graduate from Georgia State. And then what what career, what job you get into right out of right out of college?
0: So I actually continued being in the uh, industry that I was in, which was the retail sector. Um, I was uh, a GM and a district trainer while I was finishing up college. So I kept myself very busy with both well, full-time. And when I graduated, I continued doing that for a little while um, and then decided to, that I needed to do something different and took a little bit of time off and then got into consulting um, and then spent some time there. And it was focused on data-driven sustainability solutions um, and really understanding how to take data, understand it, and make decisions and operating more efficiently. And then there was the opportunity and the cross-section when you think about sports and sustainability. Um, And, you know, there has been great work done for decades, but not exactly the way that I think the engine is going now um, and the amount of attention there is to it now. So it it was really nice opportunity to say, let's maximize on the fact that we can do something here and really be influential um, from a different perspective.
1: So you, you had experience at Mercedes Benz stadium, correct with, with AMB sports and entertainment. And and I'll touch on this real quick because it's super interesting. Um, When I first reached out to you, I, I did so because I was at a um, Hawks game at State Farm Arena and I just saw all the sustainability measures and I thought, wow, this is this is remarkable. I've never been to a stadium where sustainability is prioritized to this level. Um, and it was really cool, especially for someone like me that nerds out on all this stuff um, to be able to see that. Um, and even before that, um, I, I was at with a friend at a um, Atlanta United game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was the opening game of the season. And you know we got there probably an hour early, forty five minutes early, and they're showing on on the on the uh, the halo screen, you know, sustainability metrics and, and all of the work that they did in the previous year. And uh, I'm like pulling out my phone, I'm like taking pictures, trying to get it before it before it uh, goes to another thing. And my friends like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is awesome. This is like incredible that that they are prioritizing sustainability. So um, those two instances. Um, I looked at, I looked in the State Farm Arena and and that's where I found you because I was like, I've got to, I've got to learn from these people. I've got to see what they're doing because, wow, they are, they are moving the needle um, with sustainability. So, you know, one thing that I did see that you, that you created at Mercedes-Benz Stadium was this recycle and win um, experience, you know, that you're, you know, you're surprising fans a surprise fan engagement um, when, you know, a fan is recycling something. Mm -hmm. Um, So. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you created that specific experience?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you think about all of the different opportunities we have to operate more sustainably, um, a big component is really about just people don't know what they don't know. But outside of that, the infrastructure doesn't support us doing the right thing everywhere consistently. And so for us, it was really important to be intentional in making sure they are the you always have the opportunity to recycle. And if we're setting the table properly, and we're setting everybody up for success, now the responsibility is on the individual who has something to toss away. And, you know, figuring out how do we really incentivize that and make that a behavior that we want to positively be picked up by many. So who doesn't love to get some swag? Um, You know, they're favorite team's hat or whatever it may be or a favorite artist that's performing a shirt whatever that could be as well the one thing that we were always doing is being intentional with what the giveaway item is you know don't want to give you a single-use plastic of whatever and it just gets thrown away somewhere and just collects dust so typically hats are great they're unisex um Everyone can wear them. There's always some use for it. If not, you can gift it to someone. But really, Recycle and Win is just a fun activation to engage with the fans. And you take that experience to a whole nother level. Um, you know, say, Preston, you're, the, you're in our arena, um, you have this um, aluminum cup, you get done um, after you've reuse it as many times as you needed to because you can give access to the fountain drinks and you're recycling it properly. And someone from my team, from my um, Zero waste ambassador program happens to see that in action. They might walk up to you, tap you on your shoulder and say, thank you so much for recycling. I saw that you just recycled that. Initially, you're just completely caught off guard. You're like, who are you? I'm just throwing something away. Why were you looking? But then you're just like, the the in the interaction that we get back, I mean, the smiles speak for themselves. So fans are just like so excited. You know, sometimes you'll hear, "Oh, this is what I always do," and they're just so excited to be recognized for it. And then there are some people we will even recognize an individual who we can tell is kind of looking at the at the labels and trying to do it, and they're almost there. So we'll say, "It goes right there." You know, we can appreciate someone meaning to do the right thing. And it's our job to be able to use our platform to influence the positive behavior. Um, So Recycle and Win is really recognizing a surprise and delight moment where at random, you might be surprised with something when you were least expecting it. You know, I even had a scenario where a fan, I didn't make it to him in time, and he tossed something in the wrong bin. I was like, oh, no, it goes here. He was like, I'm so sorry. And he, like, dove in, took it out, put it in the right place, and I said, you're a winner. I was like, I appreciate you for that. So even he won something. You know, we we surprised him with an item because at the end of the day, it's about people meaning well and Knowing what to do, and for us to be able to be that connective tissue, um, we don't take that lightly,
1: right? Right, and I think I think for a lot of people, you know, I've talked about this on previous episodes. It's all about education. So people, a lot of times, just aren't knowledgeable, right? They might see, you know, two bins. Like I, like earlier, I was eating at Chopped, the salad place mm-hmm. um, here in Dunwoody, Georgia, and you know, you go up, and, and one one side says recycle, one side says compost, one one says trash, and you know, some people are like, okay, what, what does all this mean? So education goes a long way. And um, one thing that I did notice at, you know, the stadiums, both Mercedes Benz and State Farm is there's education that anyone can understand when they walk up to this, they can say, oh, okay, I'm, I know what this is. I'm, I'm holding, you know, let's say a cup, I'm holding a tray, whatever it is, a, a plastic fork. And I, and I can know where to put it because y'all have done a great job of putting that that verbiage on on different things so if the next thing i would ask you is um so you were at mercedes-benz stadium with you know with a and sports entertainment and you found your way into this role of director of operations director of sustainability for the atlanta hawks and state farm arena but one thing that i that i read was and this was really fascinating they hired you on to be the director of operations and you're the one that actually came up and said hey what about sustainability you know, what, what can we do? Can we incorporate sustainability? You know, at the time, no NBA teams had any director level positions um, with sustainability in the title. And you became the first, the first person in the entire NBA to hold that, to hold that position of director of sustainability. So can you talk about how that came to be and, you know, how how you I guess I, I don't want to say persuaded, but how you you know, talked, you know, upper level management into the idea of bringing sustainability um, to State Farm Arena?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it all goes to our ownership and leadership team and seeing the importance of that to be able to say yes, Uh, because we all can make suggestions, um, but the fact that it was so positively received. And as a matter of fact, um, it's how Initially, the title began. So when I was recruited and made the suggestion to modify the title, um, the organization was very receptive. But being more sustainable has always been a part of the DNA for State Farm Arena and the Atlanta Hawks. I think we accelerated it and we decided to pursue something that nobody in our industry had done for live entertainment, uh, whether it's music or sports. You know, the building was the first to receive LEED certification um, for NHL when we used to have hockey and NBA. Um, and then I know we'll get to it as far as it becoming gold later on. But I think it talks about originally where it was. Again, we just sped up the process because it was there was a lot more focus mm-hmm. and resources allocated and really bringing that to life. Um, so kudos really goes to our ownership team and understanding the importance of that and wanting to invest in it when the idea was suggested. It goes to show that we all work together to make these things possible.
1: Yeah, and it's to to me being being a native to the Atlanta area. You know, I'm in Marietta, but you know, similar area. It makes me happy to know that you know the Hawks and um, the Falcons um, and the Atlanta United. Are really trailblazing the way in professional sports and both both venues for for um, entertainment as well.
0: I agree with you more. Um, you know, I'm so proud to be from Atlanta, and I think you know we all say Atlanta influences everything. Who would have thought here, right here in the Southeast, where we don't have the behavior, we don't have the policy, the infrastructure, but we are in a space where we're willing to allocate resources to make it happen and atlanta is influencing the industry when you think about sustainable operations um so i'm equally very proud to say that I'm um, that i'm glad to be here
1: before i you know studied sustainability and the the environmental action that's happening I, my mind would have gone to the west coast right and if i would have heard anything with sustainability i would have said oh that that's on the west coast you know we don't do that in the south you know that's that's you know that's the west coast But now we're talking about, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, you know, leading the way. And it's like, wow, you know, that's that is that is remarkable. A
0: colleague of mine who works with a team on the West Coast actually uh, shed some really good perspective to it, to where she said, you know, what may seem like we're doing a great job in sustainability on the West Coast is really a compliance. You have to do it. What is progressive here in the Southeast is considered compliance on the West Coast. Hmm. Um, So I think, you know. It's it's important to reflect back and see that, but there's just still so much to be done. I think there's plenty to celebrate, but it's a forever journey that we like to say. There is no finish line in figuring out how can we always be more sustainable.
1: So the last piece of your experience I'll hit on is, you know, you're a board member at this, this Live Thrive, you know, the Charm, um, which is the Center for Hard to Recycle Materials. And before I get into that, this is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a small world because um, I recently had an opportunity come to me um, to run the Atlanta chapter for an organization called the American Conservation Coalition. You know, it's basically a youth-led movement to, um, to conservation and, you know, limiting governmental interaction. You know, just let's just go out and do things, you know, and, and help the environment. So, you know, through research, I actually came across CHARM And I reached out to, you know, their their leadership and was like, hey, you know, I'm getting this group together. Um, We'd love to volunteer and help out any way we can. And also with uh, with Trees Atlanta, the same thing. And then I'm like, wow, Sophie is involved with both of these groups. Like this is this is crazy. So it is a small world. And, you know, I just wanted to add that in there. But, you you know, you're a board member at, at Charm and you you volunteer with Charm and Trees Atlanta. So could you briefly talk on that? Um, Just a little bit in in what those organizations do and why they're important, you know, for the city of Atlanta.
0: Yeah. Um, Have you ever had a chance to take anything to recycle at Charm? I haven't. I haven't. Well, it's super easy. Try it out. You can make an appointment. So, anything that cannot be recycled curbside, hopefully, you can help divert by taking it there. Um, It is, uh, you know, it's nice to be on a board with like minded people from various organizations um, and just figuring out how do we continue sharing this vision together and how can we continue collaborating and being more sustainable. I know I, I say that. And I'm going to continue saying it a lot, but it is all about figuring out how to do that. Um, So being on the board with Charm helps move the needle. We actually just wrapped up with our Corporate Challenge Participation. Um, where various corporations get to, for the month of April, in honor of Earth Month, allow their employees to make a special appointment to go go, go drop things off. At the end of it, all of it is weighted. And it's just a fun challenge to see which corporation diverted the most when it comes to their employees. So that was really neat. Um, As far as volunteering at Charm, you know, whenever my schedule allows, I just love to be there. Um, Whether it's checking in folks or working in the plastic bill section or in the electronics. um, It's just, it's remarkable to see how many people take the time and effort to come there to be able to recycle. The unfortunate part is that we, I wish there were more systems and solutions available because you really have to go out of your way to be able to do something that is more sustainable. It's way too easy to do the wrong thing. Yeah. And I think when you think about properly recycling, it requires intent, it requires time, it requires planning. Um, so it's always nice to see the various um, individuals who live in the city of Atlanta and outside that come there and it's you see everyone and it's really awesome.
1: It it makes you feel good that people are sharing the same mission as you. You you, you talk about, you know, making making the sustainable choice sometimes isn't the most convenient. And, you know, I talked, you know, my second episode was with an injection molder you know, plastics. And, you know, we're talking about the manufacturing process from the beginning. You know, it's really if we can, from the beginning of the process of creating a product, if we can, you know, ingrain sustainable Mm -hmm. Uh, methods in that, then it's going to make it way easier on the back end when this is in the consumer's hand. So, you know, it's, there's a lot that's been done and you know, way more about this than I do, but just from what I've seen, it's like, wow, you know, in the manufacturers, you know, they can, they can, you know, put, put these different materials that, you know, are better for the environment and that are easier to compost, that are easier to recycle. And so that's just, that's just really important. And, you know, with recycling, I I haven't been to the charm recycling, um, you know, center, But I have seen a lot of technology that's coming out for recycling. And, you know, you have you have AI, um, you have, you know, different robotics in these different places that are, you know, sorting, sorting the different things, which is cool. So all of that, all of that will continue to progress as well.
0: Now, earlier when you started off, you were saying that for you, it was about looking at everything going, where is all this going? You know, I think to your point just now, it, it starts before then. What are we buying? before we figure out where can it go. Um, the the supply chain component and trying to procure truly green is so, so important. And what it's made out of to be able to truly be considered compostable so it can properly be diverted as instrumental. So, Sophie,
1: the next thing I would ask you is, you know, if we're if we're diving right into what you're doing right now with State Farm Arena, you know, what is it like leading sustainability efforts for a building as large as State Farm Arena? I mean, it seems like an immense challenge. Um, you, I mean, you have, you know, I, I think it's I might be wrong on this, but twenty thousand seats, give or take, is that is that about right?
0: A little under, yep. Yeah.
1: yeah, so you, I mean, you have that that big of a facility, and it's packed out all the time. I mean, different different events. I mean, concerts. You have. Um, you know, basketball games when it's in season. So what is it like leading sustainability efforts for for a place like State Farm Arena?
0: It's incredible. Um, You know, it all goes back to intentional planning and collaboration. When you think about culturally, all of us having the same goal to attain. Um, And we are one of the busiest arenas in the country. Um, You know, we, they are, Stretches of events that we have where we, all we have is a six hour block to really make the building look brand new from a cleaning perspective, making sure the court is down or the stage is set up, the rigging is complete. I mean everyone works together um, and, and it's a lot of planning that goes into that. With that, in order for us to be able to truly operate zero waste, which means diverting 90% consistently, every single event, um, it requires to make sure that no one's taking any shortcuts and we are able to really do so um, by having to sort. So there before we even get to the sorting component, to, in a building like State Farm Marina, that is one of the busiest in the country, you know, last year, I think a little under 1.5 million guests came through our building. Uh, we diverted 2.5 million pounds away from the landfill. Um, To do that, there's a framework. And our framework to operate zero waste requires um, infrastructure, supply chain, and communication. And I know we touched a little bit on some of those. But infrastructure could be something as simple as having the appropriate bins placed everywhere and enabling you as a guest when you come in, no matter where you go, you always have the opportunity to recycle. We never want anyone to walk up to one single bin. They should never be alone. They should always have a mate. We really have the three-bin system because we don't want to confuse our guests to think that something that's landfill can be composted or recycled, Um, although anything over three can be too confusing. Um, So you want to keep it as simple as possible when you're trying to change behavior. But infrastructure goes from what's inside the venue to the partners you work with outside the venue like charm, like novellas, and like others that we have to make sure our materials are hauled to and are verifying where it's going to. So infrastructure plays a role internally and externally. Then when we get to the supply chain, we just touched on it. What are we buying? You know, we have our amazing aluminum cups, um, infinitely recyclable, guests love them. Um, what do we have? You know, are we limiting things that cannot be diverted? So supply chain is really important, procuring green and being consistent. And then the other piece is not only are labels important when you think about your supply chain, but also images. You know, with images, you then break the language barrier component and you hope it makes it that much easier for the guests to know what to do. It doesn't always work. There are some people who just will not pay attention. It's just a matter of convenience. Boom, I tossed it. But We're not trying to change everyone's behavior. Um, That's not how change takes place anyway. But I think adding those labels um, helps people understand what that supply chain looks like. And the labels are essentially a component of communication. So making sure that we're communicating with our fans when we can, whether it is through the activation and engagement of Recycle and Win, um, or whether it is talking about it during, through our PA announcement, um, or the fact that uh, with our partnership with Novella is ha- being able to really highlight at halftime. I mean, imagine this, you come to a Hawks game, and you, because you were seen recycling, we picked you as that one lucky fan, who we then take down to the court, At halftime, your picture goes up on all the screens and you're being thanked for recycling. You know, that's a component of communication that others that are at the venue can also see and be, oh, I want to do that. Maybe I'll win next time. Or just being able to utilize our platform to communicate doing your part. Um, So it's really the framework of infrastructure, supply chain and communication and being extremely intentional about everything. Um, It can't be an afterthought. Everything comes with intent and it's not just a question of where is it going, but where is it coming from? How much of it are we going to have? And how do we capture this in bulk and limit the need to have to sort? Because we do have to sort everything in order to be able to divert Otherwise, it'll be way too contaminated because Mm -hmm. we're not on the West Coast and it's not part of our everyday behavior for everyone anyway. um, Contamination is really a big, big, big opportunity. It's really a global opportunity um, and it makes it challenging when bins are not placed the same way consistently everywhere because it confuses people. So we call our venue a green bubble. You know, when you step foot into our venue, you're set up for success. And if there's an opportunity for something, we want to know about it. Because you can't be sustainable without innovation and feedback loop is extremely important.
1: So I'm, I'm very interested what you just broke down with the supply chain and the the holistic view of, of the entire like you're saying green bubble of the arena. So when you came in, was there I mean did you did you come in when you when you got this position and say, hey what are what are our materials like what are what are our cups made out of? what are our trays made out of? what are our um, utensils made out of? Um, Did you did you look into that right when you came in and said, okay, you know, can we look at vendors who, you know, have easier to recycle, easier to compost materials? And the second question is, you know, is there a strategy behind placing the bins? I'd read a study that Disney World did. I don't know how long ago, but, you know, they basically were trying to see where guests were throwing away trash, you know, and um, they were trying to see, you know, where's the best places to put the bins? Um, and from this study, they, they, you know, they found where they were and they placed the bins, you know, everything, you know, everything worked. So when you came in to, you know, State Farm Arena, is that what y'all did? Did, did you look at, you know, what are the best places for the bins? And also, did you look at, you know, what are the materials that they were using in the past? And how can we, you know, bring about materials that are, you know, more sustainable?
0: Yeah, great questions. One, um, when it comes to what we were already procuring, the team was already doing a good job in making sure that they were procuring non-single-use plastic options. Um, The opportunity was that that wasn't being properly diverted. uh, And so we were only diverting less than 10%. Um, so supply chain was the, the team was already doing a good job you know I think the the message um, with the leadership was to ensure we limited buying things that were single use um, the the opportunity was being intentional with what how are we making sure that we then can ensure that that goes back and becomes rich nutrients for our soil like and not ends up in a landfill to produce more methane um, so I think it was the intentional operation of everything but we were doing a really good job already buying a lot of alternatives to that. So kudos to the team. Again, it was really about bringing in and having that additional team to be more intentional with how we managed all of that. Um, And you need to have someone owning it in order to make sure that it is not an afterthought. As far as bin placement goes, absolutely. Strategy uh, of placement is also important. But You know, going back to the team that we have and the experience we always strive to provide our guests is to make it as easy and convenient for them. It's not just about does this check off sustainability? Because I don't see sustainability as something on the list. I see sustainability as a part of everything intertwined into it. So if you're coming into our venue and it's all about us providing you the best experience you can get then it's making sure that those bins are placed somewhere where it makes sense you're going to toss something, whether it is by a condiment card or a refill station or a concession stand, whatever the case may be. But then we look at it from a lens of sustainability and then we make maybe minor modifications or slight movements. The other things that we did was we really redesigned our bins. We redesigned the labels on them. We went through... um, and took pictures of every single item that we have and really made our own labels to make it that much easier. Um, but placement, there was some modification done to it. There were some changes in the types of bins that we have. You know, we had some areas where you only had one bin because aesthetically that looked prettier. And a lot of times that's our only priority. But now that is still a priority, but it's also more sustainable. Now we have them grouped up. Now, it doesn't matter where you go, there's a consistent setup that is more intentional. Um, So I think there were some things fundamentally that were already there. It was just about incorporating it to be more sustainable uh, while providing you an incredible experience. So as a guest, regardless of if you're trying to recycle or not, you're not walking around our venue for 15 minutes to find a bin to dispose something.
1: So one thing I'm I'm very interested in because I've been I've been to concerts at State Farm Arena I've been to you know basketball games as I said do do the strategies change depending on the event so let's say you know I'm I'm at an Elton John concert and then you know next week I'm at Atlanta Hawks game they're playing the Celtics do strategies change for your team or is it all is it always usually about the same?
0: Our strategy and integrity is to operate zero waste no matter who or what size the event is. Uh, the things that can change is, you know, obviously, when you have your season going on, and you have your season ticket members coming in, there's a there's a consistency, you know, you've they're kind of trained, they know how to get to the venue, they know that we have the, the these cups here, they know where to go get their favorite food. And with that, it's kind of like the same thing, repeat. And you're constantly providing them the same things as well. When you have a one-off event, there could be times where something new is introduced. Um, You know, you see sometimes a higher level of contamination with a one-off event or a show that happens only once a year or once every five years or whatever have you. Your demographic of fans changes, which creates a little bit more operational work. But strategy from an operational standpoint for us It remains. We always make sure that our bins are properly placed. You know, I have a team that will quality control, so QC, um, the pre event, during event, post event, there's a QC that takes place. And a part of that is going on and making sure what we noted no random bins are anywhere. You know, something from a strategy that from a setup perspective that could alter based on event would be if we have a show where the fan base is going to show up. 12 hours early to line up outside the venue, which happens quite often, then we will go out there and add additional infrastructure and it will still be consistent. Uh, we will be very intentional with what's being added to accommodate to the needs of a specific event or a show. And then the other component is that a lot of times fans who show up 10, 12 hours, five hours early, they might show up with, with lawn chairs and blankets and all of these the items that they have no intent of doing anything with besides leaving it right there and walking it in so they can make it to where they need to get. Well, we collect all of that and work closely with all of our departments and we take it to a nearby shelter within a three mile radius of the venue. So even that is considered a diversion, but it's a donation and it goes right back into our community.
1: Wow. Wow. That's, I did did not realize that. That's, yeah, that's definitely one component. I mean, I know Taylor Swift just performed at Mercedes Benz this past weekend and you know, I knew people that were camping out before and I didn't I didn't even think about, you know, just leaving and, and trying to get in there. It's like a madhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Sophie, one potential challenge, I guess, for your team that I see, and, you know, growing up, uh, my grandfather had season tickets to the Falcons games and, you know, it's like every every week um, we would buy the souvenir cup and we take it home every week, you know, we'd buy it and bring it back home. And my mom would always get um, so upset because she's like, we don't need any more cups, leave the cups, please don't bring any more cups home. So I guess the challenge, a challenge might be um, you can only control what you can on, on the inside. You can't really control what people are taking out. So I don't know. I mean, I mean, for me, it's like the souvenir cups are great. I mean, it's a great, um, it's something great souvenir to take home.
0: And you get to reuse it. You, them, you use it over and over and over and over again. At least that's that, that's the idea, right? If it's a souvenir cup, um, that the fan gets to have a lot of use of it until they maybe can't use it anymore.
1: I guess you're right. You, you uh, I was thinking about it entirely wrong, but that yeah, that makes that makes a lot more sense. So you know, briefly, I want to talk about you know your team um, and. You know, specifically, how many people are on your team and what are the different um, facets of of your team?
0: Yeah, so I've got uh, in my sustainability department, I have a manager, coordinator, a technician and another technician role that we are getting ready to fill. Um, And outside of our sustainability squad or sustainability department, we have our zero waste squad. Um, This is our team that does the hands on boots on the ground sorting. Um, you know, it's really important how we speak about things. We never reference our team as a trash team. I never call someone part of the trash team. They're not. Um, they're part of the zero waste squad, uh, and they work in our R3, and R3 stands for Resource Recovery Room. Our zero waste squad is recovering resources that we're able to divert. Whether it's cardboard that can be recycled up to five to seven times, or aluminum that's infinitely recyclable, or glass that's infinitely recyclable, we are handling resources. And it's our zero-waste squad that works there. And that team is about a little over 10 people, um, but 10 people alone can't handle a sold-out event. All we have is six hours to flip and do it all over again. So depending on the volume that will be generated after a show or a game, uh, we will, in addition to the crew that we have, rely on a um, sub-labor company to substitute and kind of fill in a couple of roles. And so it can vary how many people are working depending on what we're trying to accomplish.
1: So, you know, the next question I was going to ask, and you, you just answered it, was, you know, how do you manage all the trash left under the seats at, you know, games? But it sounds like, you know, you have your zero waste squad that's going out, and then you also have your sub subcontractor workers that are coming in and, you know, um, picking up and, and placing that. Um, I, and, and I shouldn't say trash. Someone Someone once told me that, Don't view it as we don't view it as trash. We view it as opportunity because it's an opportunity to be made into something else or it's an opportunity for for somebody else. So it's not trash. It's opportunity
0: perspective. And I think there are many ways to look at it. At the end of the day, it is still waste. Um, And, you know, uh, I think what we want to do is make sure that we understand that that waste can become a resource Um, And so the team will go around and pick intentionally. At first, we would just pick everything. So you asked about the items that are left under the seats. Um, At first, the team would go around and pick everything, throw it in the back. Because remember, it's about experience, efficiency. We have less than six hours to flip this building and clean it and make sure when you walk in, you have no idea what took place the day before. And we don't want anything to do with being more sustainable to slow down the experience when you think about operations. Um, so we eventually, and working very closely with our housekeeping team, were able to get to a point where now instead of um, the, the post crew, post event crew, instead of them just going into the bowl, seating bowl area and throwing everything in one bag, we are picking by type. So that's now an area where we're not sorting anymore. We're still checking it. We're still uh, going through. It's just the process is much quicker, therefore much more efficient. Because to be to say that you care about sustainability, you have to care about efficiency. Um, and you have to care about how you're spending your resources to be more sustainable. Um, and so that was a component that was a big milestone for us that we were able to reach. Um, and, you know, the goal is to get to a point where... Anything that is not fan and guest facing, we don't have to sort because our team members are constantly being trained. They're set up for success. Is that the case today? No, it's an it's an opportunity, Um, you know, and it's going to be a forever opportunity. But hopefully we limit the need of manual sorting. We don't want to be in the business of being great sorters. We really want to figure out how do we limit the need for it by making it really, really easy for consumers to know what to do. Um, to where we're all a part of the solution. It's not just mm. our responsibility, but we all have a responsibility. But doing that in a fun way, right? Like you're coming to have a great time, and we, we don't want to lose sight of that.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so bouncing right off of that, you know, fans are coming in because, you know, they they are looking for a great experience. You know, they're looking for a fun experience. Maybe, you know, maybe, like I said, Elton John is their favorite artist, and they've waited years and years and years to see him. Maybe, you know, they're, they're Atlanta Hawks fans, and they're from Oregon, and they flew in for the game, like, they're, they're looking for a fun experience. So you know, the next thing I'm going to ask you is, um, and you, you touched on one of these earlier, so we don't have to dive back into it, but what initiatives do you run during games um, to increase recycling? I mean, you, we talked about, you know, your recycle and win. Is there any other initiatives that you, um, that you host during the game to increase these levels of recycling?
0: Yeah, sometimes we'll activate a can crusher. Um, This past month, in honor of Earth Month, even though we all know Earth Day is every day, it's not just some fabricated day we celebrate for one time. Um, in honor of Earth Month, we did a giveaway where the first thousand guests who arrived were got uh, a free aluminum cup. And remember, I touched on the fact that our um, soda machines are available to you as a guest. So you can go and refill, essentially reuse your cup as many times as you'd like before you have to recycle it. Um, so we did the first thousand fans, got a free cup. Um, and then we were also uh, right by our recent art installation, which I'm not sure if you had a chance to check out. If not, we'll have to have you come back for a special tour. Um, but we were able to work with our partner, Novellis and local artists from here, Atlanta, to upcycle, you're going to love this, 404 pounds of aluminum that we generated at the arena. So the aluminum that we recycled was sent to make this art piece sculpture that was then put up um, is put up right at when as soon as you enter at gate two. Um, oh, wow! So that was a, that was fun. And in, in addition to that, we gave away a hundred plus. 100 plus tokens of gratitude to any fans we saw recycle um, or compost properly. And the tokens oh, were basically a replica of the art piece that is up at gate two um, mm-hmm. with a QR code on there for a chance for the guests to enter um, to win two fully inclusive tickets next season for an away game. Um, So, you know, these are all ways you partner up with your partners to figure out how to really amplify that message and continue being intentional. So that was an example of something we did.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Really, really cool. You know, one, you know, this is an idea that I have, you know, because my my first guest on the show was a guy by the name of uh, Anwar Khan. Um, He, when he was at Miami, he created this company called Cycle Technology, and what they do is reverse vending machines at stadiums. Um, so, I mean, he has um, put, you know, his his machinery at the Philadelphia Eagles Stadium, Washington Nationals, um, I think Inter-Miami Football Club, recently at the Super Bowl. So, Anwar is this incredible guy, you know, he's he's like my age, and they're doing really cool stuff. And I was like, wow, I mean, what if I could bridge the gap between, you know, reverse vending machines and, you know, State Farm Arena, you know, the sustainability measures that they're doing. So you know, as far as reverse vending machines, has that ever been a thought for State Farm Arena? Um, because, I mean, wh- what we've talked about and what you've talked about is how you want to engage fans. You are rewarding fans with your different um, different um, initiatives during the game with Recycle and Win. Have you thought about or has your team thought about, you know, incorporating these reverse vending machines at the stadium?
0: Absolutely. It is um, something we... Have and are considering. Um, I think it's a it's a great way to engage and raise awareness and make it fun. Um, uh, I think there are some opportunities with that concept. You know, you want to make sure that what happens when the wrong thing goes in there or when it gets jammed. Or there are some logistics that we want to make sure are very smooth. Going back to the experience, we don't want to just add this, you know, technology. And then it creates more of a logistics uh, opportunity. But we want to make sure it's, it, it can work well. With that being said, it doesn't mean we don't pilot programs, and which is something that we do tremendously. We'll take a small scale and see how it works. Learn from it, because we all know version 7 is better than version 1. With sustainability. You have to do it over and over again. Um, but it is something that is in consideration and you may be seeing um, in the near future.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So very brief, um, I wanted to ask, do, do the Hawks and State Farm Arena, do you help run public awareness campaigns to increase environmental sustainability, let's say in the community um, of Atlanta or, or in the area at large?
0: Yeah. Have you seen the billboard right outside of the um, arena in that campus area?
1: I'm trying to think. I don't I don't I can't think I if I have or
0: not. Uh, or you just come back for an event. Uh, but we have some messaging that will will uh, we'll rotate on that billboard, as well as we have um, a report that goes out every season called Beyond Basketball, where we really highlight our um, the impact in our community. And for the last two years, we've included good content around sustainability and the work that we're doing in that space, you know, communication with our t- season ticket members and just really sharing with them where we are and where we're headed. Um, so there has been a number of things and ways that we are continuing to communicate um, outside of just in our bubble, um, even with the launch um, of Goal in partnership with Oakview Group um, and Jason McLennan. That is the next, that's the next step of figuring out what's next and how do we provide something for other venues who are interested in doing the right thing but don't know where to get started. I think when you think about public awareness, um, although that is utilized internally, primarily by those who operate venues, um, there are many components that you want to check off that require you to continue doing your work when it comes to the community.
1: So when I think of State Farm Arena, I'm really thinking of a sustainability success story, right? This is this is a case study that any professional sports team, whether you're NBA, NHL, NFL, MLB, whatever, can take and use as a case study. And you know, I just wanted to hit on some stats here um, about all of the cool things that y'all you, that you have accomplished, Sophie. So in 2021, um State Farm Arena hosted the first ever zero-waste NBA All-Star game and delivered the first true certified sporting events in the, in the world. And that was the Hawks Eastern Conference first round. Um, that was game four um, against New York Knicks. Um, and then if we're looking specifically at 2022, last year, State Farm Arena diverted more than 2.5 million pounds of waste from landfills. Um, you composted slightly under, right under 730, 735,000 pounds of food and organic material. Any food that could not be donated was composted. Um, you reused or donated 610,000 pounds of materials like food, electronics, clothing, crates, and pallets. Um, you reduced annual, ra- uh, annual waste by 160,000 pounds by eliminating, eliminating paper tickets, individual condiment packets, disposable service, uh, wear, and more. And all material, um, as we said, diverted from the landfill in 2022 totaled more than 2.5 million pounds. So... I mean that is that is almost mind boggling to think of how much good that you did in 2022 um, and again it's it's a it's a sustainability success story and it's a case study that um, any organization can use right in professional sports. so kudos to you and kudos to your team for for accomplishing a goal um, accomplishing these numbers like you did in 2022
0: Thank you, big kudos to the entire team. It's been a cultural shift. And it's not a one-person task, and it's just—I I couldn't be prouder of what we've been able to do and where we're headed.
1: So one one cool thing, right? Bouncing right off those numbers is um, State Farm Arena became the first sports and entertainment venue to achieve True, which is total resource use and efficiency, platinum certified zero waste, and that was last April. So you know, the first sports and entertainment venue to achieve this True platinum certified zero waste you know, for me, I've done the research, I I can understand what it is. But for those listeners who might not know what true certification is, could you elaborate and kind of explain what that is and how you got to that point?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, we talked about 90% diversion from landfill, which then Defines it to be zero waste. You know, it's not 100%. That's not realistic. There are still some components we just cannot control. So we wanted to pursue the certification because no professional sports team or venue, regardless if you're an arena, stadium, theater, amphitheater, no one had done it before. I think people and organizations had done a great job doing some awesome things, but to have a third party come in and certify and say, yep, they did it, was something we wanted to do because. We're in sports, we're competitive, and we like being first. Um, So wanting to pursue that, you know, to initiate yourself to even begin the program, there are up to 81 credits for the true certification that you can get. Um, Anything 64 and above is platinum certification. And I think 34 or higher, I could be wrong here, it means you're just certified. Um, So initially, when we began the talks of wanting to pursue this, my ask um, was, can we go after platinum and you know there was a lot of uh, hesitancy and let's just let's just get certified because it's unlikely because of where we are located um but we were able to really come together and make it possible to not only be certified but be certified at the highest level that there was um but to begin the program there's an initiation phase and in order to initiate yourself because what you have to do is you have to showcase a 12-month period of consistently diverting 90% from landfill. The way you initiate into the program is showing your first full month where you've done the 12 months and that becomes your first initiation month. And with that, there are various components you have to meet, whether it's to showcase circular economy, for example, our cardboard. You know, our retail team switched from having single-use plastic to uh, to paper bags. But what's beautiful about those paper bags is they're not virgin material. Those paper bags that we have in our team store are made from upcycled materials. You know, where we have our cardboard sent to to be recycled is then turned around and becomes materials that turn into food trays. So being able to really close the loop fully, our aluminum cups in partnership with Novellas, you know, being able to say that this is infinitely recyclable, it goes, this can or cup that we recycle goes back and becomes a new one and comes right back. Um, So there were various things that we had to do, you know, we talked about Trees Atlanta, we have a few canopies right outside of our uh, building, you know, the compost that we got was compost that we have created through sending um, everything that's compostable, then using that as a part of the mulch for the trees. So it's a lot of different things that you have to do and be very intentional about. Um, and so our goal was to be able to do that and be the first. And now that we have done so, as a, you know, you're going to be the first person to know. We just got word that you know you have to get recertified every year, so you have to continue showing that. And we just got our recertification, um, where not only did we achieve it for the first year, then now we're maintaining the status of zero waste and continuing to operate. So,
1: I'll say this, and I think I've touched on this in previous episodes. My previous boss, when we did like strategy meetings, like a strategic meeting for the next year, fiscal year, we talk about you know what are our one month plans, what are our six months, what are our year. Three year, five year, um, and then we had something that that he would call BHAG, which was big, hairy, audacious goals. You know, this is something to shoot for. Um, we're going to shoot for this. Um, it's this is like, you know, we're shooting for the stars. But you know, we're going to try. We're going to try and try and try to do that. It looks like, you know, this this goal of zero waste was a big, hairy, audacious goal that you didn't only shoot for the stars. I mean, it's not just you saying, hey, we're, we're going to try. You put all the resources and all the manpower behind it to do this, which is very rare, I will say, when you have a goal this large. So that's that is that is incredible. The next thing I'll go into, and you mentioned this earlier, you know, State Farm Arena was formerly—I mean, as I grew up, it was Phillips Arena, and you know, this was the first NBA and NHL arena to achieve LEED certification, and that was back in April of 2009. And now, State Farm Arena. Has the Lead Gold certification? So a few episodes back, I talked about um, um, with somebody building and unbuilding with the um, Environment of Mind. We talked about Lead, but could you talk about you know what is what is Lead Gold certification and how do buildings achieve this?
0: Yeah. So um, when we first got the Lead certification, the main thing that the Lead certification back then focused on was really uh, operations and maintenance. Um, when you think about how it has evolved, uh, it has it now really focuses more on even um, how do you divert materials from the project? And are you using environmentally preferred materials when you are building something? And to be able to do that, I think, you know, as always, it's always easier to start from to build something from scratch to make it be the what you want it to be versus taking something that's existing and trying to modify it so the team did an incredible job um going from lead to lead gold when we did do the renovation um even thousands of the seeds were donated you know there were many things that were done intentionally when you thought about what's going to happen to all of this like your question earlier you know okay we're about to. Remodel what's going to happen with all the stuff that we're not keeping. And that is a big component of going to that elite gold certification.
1: So previously, um, and again, through research, I saw this um, State Farm Arena became part of part of the founding member circle of this platform called Goal. You know, I, I would ask, what is Goal and how will it enhance sustainability efforts? And also, you know, what what organizations are involved in Goal?
0: Yeah. So I was just touching on that uh, when I mentioned the partnership with Oakview Group and Jason McLennan. Um, GOAL stands for Green Operations and Advanced Leadership. Um, And we are founding members and partners in in the creation of GOAL. And really, the the platform of GOAL is to allow those of us who may not know what to do, but want to do, um, it allows you to go in and have various categories and identify what is applicable to you so you can begin operating more sustainably. You know, it's essentially the solution for our industry and beyond, Uh, regardless of your venue type, whether it was built last year, it's been around for three decades. You know, I think what's important is that Every region is very different. And instead of trying to get everyone to do everything the same way, um, what is beautiful about goal that I personally believe in and is, you know, and I think Desmond Tutu's quote is one of my favorites, where he says, not exactly like this, but... do a little bit of good where you are and it's those little bit of goods added up together that overwhelm the world. And again, it's not said exactly like that, but it's, it's one of my favorite quotes and it's so applicable, you know, tying it back to goal. The beauty of this goal platform is that you as a venue operator can identify what is the area that you want to focus on and kind of pursue that. You know, I think when you think about sustainable operations, you have to gain momentum And to gain momentum, you ought to go after the things that you can do and share the success, share the story, and then collectively continue working towards the things that are a little bit harder to attain. And with Goal, it allows you to log in, you have your venue profile, and you can identify what you want to work on, and then from there, slowly move the needle. And essentially, it's a solution that's applicable to no matter what you have that you're operating, to operate more sustainably.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really cool stuff. And I mean, it sounds like, I mean, obviously what y'all have done with State Farm Arena is, I mean, as we mentioned, it's a case study that can be used for generations to come. I mean, what, what you have been able to accomplish. So this goal platform will be huge for those organizations that, you know, might, you know, they might not know as much about sustainability, but they're like, hey, I, I want to do this and this will allow them to do that. So Sophie, one of our final segments is looking at what's next. Um, what's next for State Farm Arena? What's next for the hogs? What's next for sustainability in general um, for, for your venue um, and location? So, you know, looking at, you know, we're in 2023 and going from 2023 to 2024, um, what are, what are your, um, or I should say, what are state farm arenas um, sustainability goals?
0: It's to do what we did, but more efficiently to, to sum it up. Honestly, you know, we, we, early we talked about technology and AI. That's very much applicable. Um, I think, figuring out how to continue doing what we do, but more efficiently. Initially, when we pursued the certification, it was about making it happen because no one had, and we didn't want anyone to beat us to it. Now, since we've gotten it, we've seen other venues like next door receive their certification and others right here in the city of Atlanta who are pursuing it, even outside of the city of Atlanta. Um, it's about how do we do what we've done, but doing it more efficiently and where does it make sense to incorporate technology? I think there's a whole lot of opportunity there um, that we would need another podcast to dive into, but that would be the future of what we're headed to next for us.
1: I came across an article and the the name of the organization, the team is, is escaping me and it might be the Seattle Kraken, but I, I don't I'm know. If arena. Yes, yes. You know, they're, they're looking to become a carbon zero certified arena And the question I was going to ask you is that is that something that State Farm Arena is going towards as well? Is that a goal that you have? I I have no idea what that constitutes, but it looks like there's different um, stadiums and organizations that are moving towards that. So um, I'd I'd, I'd ask is is State Farm Arena doing that as well?
0: Um, You know, Sage Farm Arena and the Atlanta Hawks, we're always trying to figure out how to do everything more sustainably. And with that, really understanding our carbon footprint and seeing how can we reduce it to begin with. And then from there, it's a forever journey. So, of course, we want to be able to say that we're operating as sustainably as we can. Um, There is no specific certification because we need to first figure out what is available And what's attainable here um, versus somewhere else. And it is to reduce our footprint as much as we can. And right now we've been able to really do so by controlling what's controllable. You know, um, we talked about the 2.5 million that we diverted from landfills. Well, by not sending that to the landfill, it eliminates the amount of methane that would continue to produce in its lifespan of being in that landfill. Um, You know, and to like narrow it down and to, say like on average, every event that we have, every show that we host, on average, we divert about um, 18,000 pounds from landfill. Well, when you look at that, that equates to what it would take to plant 300 trees and allow them to grow for 10 years. Um, And so being able to think about the correlation of carbon from that perspective, that's a control that we can do directly. What we can't control is infrastructure and transportation and how fans would essentially get there. But the things that we can, we're certainly working on. And it's part of our forever journey. And what is next for us?
1: So um, this last question and then the last segment we'll talk about is advice that you have for the listeners. And, and we talked about this earlier just briefly, but... Why is, why is innovation so important for sustainability and, you know, this, in in the push for environmentalism, you know, why, why is, you know, having this mindset of innovation and, you know, always like, like what you're saying with State Farm Arena, you have your finger on the pulse at all times. You're always looking to improve. Yeah. I mean, we just achieved zero waste, but we're not stopping there. We're not content. We want to keep going and keep achieving and keep, you know, bettering the environment. So why is innovation in sustainability so important?
0: Well, you can't be sustainable if you're not willing to innovate. You know, We're talking about being in a space where we created a blueprint to operate zero waste. We couldn't have done that without doing things that didn't work out and learning from them. Um, It's all about being able to learn from what we've done and continue applying and, you know, having that open feedback loop, allowing ideas to come and allowing ideas to come from every direction. Some of the best ideas we've had have come from other departments and have come from other leaders within our organization because now we're all thinking about it. It isn't just a person with a title of sustainability, but they're informed, they're a part of it and they're empowered to come up with ideas and it may work. Or it may not, but we are going to celebrate that and we're going to learn from it. And I think it's instrumental to think about sustainability innovation in one bucket, because, again, you just can't have one without the other. We talk about technology and the future of that. You can't have that without innovation. So being comfortable to do things that we haven't done before, but knowing that we're going to learn something from it um, is, is instrumental. I couldn't emphasize it enough.
1: They say, that, I think the saying is, you either innovate or die. Um, and as you've seen, history repeat itself. I mean, companies, organizations um, that, that did not innovate, they, they are no longer with us. So, I mean, continuing to innovate, regardless of what space you're in, is critical. So, Sophie, this final segment, I, I like to include, I ask all of our guests just a few questions. They're, they're pretty vague, but um, I ask them so the audience can get an understanding of how you view sustainability um, so the first question is, you know, why is a leave no stone unturned approach critical in this industry?
0: There's opportunity everywhere. You know, I think you referenced as waste being looked at as opportunity. There's opportunity everywhere. Um, and it's all about making sure that we're considering many ways of doing things and what's the easiest way? What's the most sustainable way? Um Just because something has been done a certain way, it doesn't mean it's just a way to do it. Um, It's important to be able to say, how can we do that better? Um, And understanding that by asking that question, you're including those who are doing it. Because what you don't want to do is come in and say, you should do it this way. You want to share what the goal is and let them come up with some of the ideas and the suggestions because they're the experts at the end of the day. But what we want to do is make sure that we're not being wasteful. And it doesn't matter if it's energy, water, waste or whichever one of our resources, Um, you know, how a building operates is instrumental because it's the second largest emitter of emissions. So how what can we do to be more sustainable, whether it's working closely with this department or that department? Um, I think it's important to audit every scenario and see what you can learn and how can you collaborate together to make that possible.
1: So going from an organizational conversation to individual um, and someone like me, let's say in the community, anybody that's listening, the question I'll ask is, you know, how can the everyday person that's living life, how can they lessen their footprint on a daily basis?
0: I think it just depends on, you know, what do you have access to? Because it's not fair to ask everyone who's listening, make sure you compost, some people might not have a backyard to do a compost themselves. Some some may not have access to a service that exists. You know, it goes back to do what you can. Understand, you've got options. Does that mean you carpool and you opt into an alternative transportation? Does that mean you don't use any single use plastic and you're always reusing something? You know, what is it that you can do when you go grocery shopping? Are you making sure to never forget your reusable bag? Um, if you do forget your reusable bag, Are you opting into the paper bag option? You know, I think it's important to know what is all accessible to you and then working on the things that you can um, to make your personal impact. Maybe, you know, if you know how to make your way to charm, then you're intentional about collecting all the things that you can take. Or maybe you do that for your community or your your colleagues or your neighbors and the 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 building that you live in, say, Hey, I'm gonna make a trip to Charm. Do you, do you guys all want me to take things for you? It all depends on the individual, the bandwidth, and the access they have. But I do think it's important that we all understand we all have a responsibility. Just because I toss something away doesn't mean it's gone and it had no impact. Um, you know, obviously, reducing our single use items is really important. But to me, it's about what can you do that's easy for you to do? And then gradually, you know, work towards the things that are going to be harder to do. But you have to have momentum. You have to be excited about it.
1: So all the listeners in Atlanta, always, always try to go the HOV lane, always carpool. Let's get that out there. Um, So the final question I'll ask Sophie, and this is, this is almost selfishly of me asking this, because I really want to understand um, this is, as as I embark on my career in sustainability Um, What is your advice to those interested in a career in sustainability?
0: Um, I think, you know, be comfortable to do something you've never done before. Sustainability is a part of everything that we do. You know, I was asked before, do I find it difficult that sustainability during the pandemic was always taking the back seat because safety and security would come first? My answer was that safety and security is always the top priority. It's important about how do we make safety and security more sustainable? And that goes the same way with like, do what you can and incorporate that into it. And when I first began having anything sustainability is tied to my role, even my previous role with Mercedes Benz Stadium, I was in an operations role and then gradually took on more responsibility, created the zero waste program, changed my title a little bit. But, and then coming here, restructured the organization, my, my department created new positions and what we have seen and what has been one of my proudest um, in my career in sports and entertainment is seeing how now other venues and teams are creating roles within their org charts and have individuals really who are allocated to do this job. And I think it is about the future generation. It is thinking about your future fans and being applicable to where the future is headed. Um, So take a chance, you know, if you're passionate about something, do it. If you're passionate about sustainability, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you can incorporate that and you can be that influencer. You can be that ambassador that helps others know what they can and cannot do Um, because we just don't know what we don't know. And that doesn't mean people don't mean well.
1: Well, Sophie, this this talk has been incredible. I have I have learned a tremendous amount and just through researching all of this stuff, and I've, I've definitely learned a lot. So um, I will say that um, I'm looking at going to John Mayer in uh, October at State Farm Arena. So that might be the next time I'm there. But uh, I'm just, again, so thankful for you coming on and, and sharing your, your expertise, sharing all of your experiences, you know, being the voice of, again, this case study that, that you have done and your team has done with Safe Farm Arena. And I just know that there's so many listeners out there that will gain so much knowledge from from hearing this talk.
0: Thank you so much, Preston. And happy to give you a tour of where all the magic happens at R3 when you're there in October and let you get to see it all um, right there in person. We look forward to hosting you. And again, thank you for having me and share our story.